Welcome to Raised On It. And this week's episode is probably my favorite one to date. I talked with hit songwriter Amy Mayo about her new book, Talking to the Sky. She's written some of the biggest hits of all time. If you don't recognize her name, you definitely recognize her songs. She's written Amazed by Lone Star, one of the biggest country hits ever. Uh, she's written Tim McGraw's My Best Friend, Tim and Faith's duet, Let's Make Love, Martina McBride's This One's for the Girls, Sarah Evans's Backseat of a Greyhound Bus, and Kenny Chesney's Who You'd Be Today. And Kenny was actually one of her first friends when she moved to town. She writes about that in the book, too, which is a pretty cool story. And, you know, if you thought those songs are impressive, you're going to be blown away by her book. So I'm going to read you the description from Amazon because there's no better way to give you a preview of what this book is all about. Amy Mayo grew up in deep Alabama, rocked by the blow of a drunk man's fist before she even made it out of the womb. Her colorful and charismatic father went from a gambling janitor to a multimillionaire, but died homeless. Her mother was wonderful when she wasn't popping pain pills like M&Ms, and her stepdad made a weird science out of psychological abuse. Throughout her teens, Amy survived by writing compulsively in diaries, dreaming of becoming a songwriter and finding her soulmate. After accidentally burning down her house, just one in a series of disasters, at 20 years old, she found herself lost with no path to the life she had always longed for. She tried to kill herself and almost succeeded. Finally, Amy made it to Nashville. She started out as a waitress, married to a wife-beating country singer, but never lost sight of her dreams. Talking to the Sky is her unforgettable memoir, the harrowing and hilarious story of believing in faith over fear and going after your dreams when everything is going against you. I couldn't put the book down. I finished it in one day. I think five or six hours I cranked it out. It's a page turner. So check her book out on Amazon, and you can also go to the book's website, talkingtothesky.com. Also, quickly, if you're new to Raised On It, we have two other podcasts that will be returning in 2021. The Album Collection, we take a deep dive into Iconic and some of our favorite albums over the last 30 years. And the other podcast is Video Vault. Video Vault is where we break down the funny and cheesy and captivating music videos from our favorite artists over the years. So that's a real fun one, one of my favorites. As always, we are Raised On It and can be found at RaisedOnItBlog.com. But let's get to my chat with Amy Mayo and her new book, Talking to the Sky. You're really going to enjoy our discussion. I guess I'll start off by talking to my sister about this. And I, I read through your book all in, in one night, one sitting. It was just one of those page turners. And I used the phrase like there's there's this phrase out there that people use like I could write a book or you could write a book or like you should write a book about your experience. And it's kind of set in jest a little bit. But in my opinion, talking to the sky is, is like the most accurate example of someone's story that <laughs> needed to be made into a book. Uh, so when did you decide that you were going to write this book and, and a tell all about your life? It's weird. Cause like, I never really decided it. It just started to happen. Like my, my dad died and it was in such a shocking way. And they printed in the paper, like that he like songwriter dies mysteriously in motel room. So everybody thought he killed himself, how they worded it. 
So it started after that. And I started like, I was writing down everything I wanted to remember about us and to um, like memories. And then it gradually turned into a story. Like I would, I was taking writing classes and stuff and they would tell me like, I want to know more about this or that. So then it gradually turned into this story. I had never really looked at my life like the story of how crazy it is that I ever made it as a songwriter because now I look back and think I must have been I I don't even know how I could believe I could make it you know like I I understand now how everybody kind of thought I was delusional and crazy (laughs) because it just like I didn't have anything going for me that I needed like I I don't play an instrument I went for years thinking I was tone deaf um just like I'm not a sing. I mean, I can sing. I ended up getting offered a record deal. I can sing. I just don't sound like, you know, somebody like I don't. Somebody told me I sounded like um, Alvin and the Chipmunks and Cindy Lauper mixed together. <laughs> they sell records. <laughs> I love Cindy Lauper. So that part I was happy about. I wanted to be her growing up. Yeah. Well, you know, so writing songs, you know, for a living is your job, but I'm curious when it comes to writing a book, was this something that it came naturally to you or is it more challenging than you expected? Because I know, you know, you've mentioned that it's been kind of 15 years in the making. So what was, was it working a new muscle kind of deal? It was just like, it was a million times harder for me. Really? I, I think because like, for some reason, writing the book, I got caught up in so much self-doubt. Like, I don't know what that was about. And there was so much fear of letting the book go because I didn't want to hurt anybody. And like my stepdad, he was real abusive and pretty much just a nightmare to my brother and me. But my mom's still married to him. And he's changed because this was a long time ago. So I feel like he's kind of spent the last like, the last 20 years trying to make up for you know what happened he's like been really sweet to my kids and they all like him that's good yeah so I didn't want to hurt him and I was worried about hurting my mom um and so I think that was a big part of the it was hard to let it go but then I got an OCD when like my stepdad kept me grounded for three years of my life so I had that OCD with writing it's like a coping mechanism you know and I wrote that book over and over and over until I realized like it was, I wasn't sure it was getting any better. You know, it was just different. And I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Like I just knew I had to get it out or like it was going to ruin my life. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Cause you know, I think, um, you know, the songwriters, you know, at least my interactions with them or listening to them at writers rounds or, you know, just being artists themselves, um, you know, vulnerability, I think is something that the best songwriters aren't afraid of, but was there, was there more of a hesitancy writing this book, opening yourself up rather than, um, you know, writing a song? There was, there was a lot of, um, it's very weird. Do you know who that guy Tony Robbins is? Yeah. He's like, yeah. 
he's like the, I don't know what to call him. He's like a motivational guy. Right. Um, I went to this seminar with him because I was trying to get anybody to tell me what was wrong with me and what to do. And like, I went to Oprah seminar. I went to this Tony Robbins seminar and I ended up in this thing with him going back and forth. And, um, he somehow knew exactly how to make me fight for the book. And, so at the end of this talk, I just, I really knew it was meant to be because the first line of my book is all my greatest gifts have come wrapped in ribbons of pain. And then Tony Robbins at the end of the, our little interaction that went on for about 10 minutes, he said, um, your pain is your gift. That's how you help people. And so after that, I was already, I, I'm always an open book, but after that, like, I really like, I just, I don't know. I just, I figured there ain't no reason to even write a book unless you're going to just, you know, be on completely honest. Sure. Yeah. Especially this kind of book. Right. Yeah. It's, it it sounds good in, in theory or in your head, but you know, having the guts to actually put pen to paper and, you know, put ink to paper uh, is, is a a whole nother hurdle uh, to, to cross. Yeah, I think people, I think we're all so much the same. I mean, even the people like, I always think of the people like at my kids' school because they're like preppy kind of, they're so, I feel like a black sheep a little bit and (laughs) my kids are black sheep, but they're so preppy and stuff, but then we'll go out or something like before everything turned into this virus stuff, we, we would go out and I would see some of these people and they would just be trashed, <laughs> you know, like it just it was like a completely different person. And then sure. they would talk about stuff like that you would never dream. You know what I mean? From like, I think we're all pretty much the same. And and like some I think it also helps to be vulnerable because it kind of one thing I've seen is when I'm vulnerable, other people, it's like it gives them permission to be vulnerable. And they'll tell, that's one of my favorite things because so many people have came up and just told me things about their life. And some of them say, I've never told anybody this. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. that's that's a beautiful thing to me, like because we can kind of help each other. Sure. Um, one of the quotes that you use to describe your book, it actually took me like, kind of stopped me in my tracks a little bit because it's it's actually a phrase that my grandpa has used a lot. So my grandpa, he likes to say you can live in faith or fear. And, you know, you described your book as, you know, a memoir about living your best life in a shit show, ultimately a story of faith over fear and survival of a dream. So what is what does that phrase mean to you in your life, uh, especially with, you know, writing this book and coming from where you did? I've just like, I think pretty much we work with so many new people and stuff and I see it. I see it so much in them too. It seems like if somebody doesn't go after their dream, it's always feared. That's always the reason why, you know, and I feel like every day we make a choice to either have faith or fear. Like right now, I just was writing an email and I was saying in the end of it, like, I'm bummed out, like after 15 years that I can't go on a book tour because I had looked oh, so yeah. forward to it. I mean, I had looked so forward to it and I had looked so forward to having a book release party. 
I already knew, like, I wanted to have it at Blake Shelton's bar. <laughs> I well, mean, I had it point. all planned. Yeah. I'm still going to do it at some point whenever, like, people start doing stuff like that again. But so I was talking about, you know, like, I'm bummed out about this stuff, but I'm believing that it's ha- happening the way it's supposed to. And I'm having faith that, you know, my book will find its way out into the world, like how it's supposed to, not like how I planned it. You know, like, I think, I think like it's an everyday struggle for me to let, to go by faith instead of fear. Cause it's so easy to let your fears just drive everything you do. For sure. For sure. No, it's a, it's a great way of explaining it. Uh, So diving a little bit into some of the content, I guess, uh, might be a bit of a loaded question, but which story or, you know, part of your life was the hardest to write, you know, whether it was difficult to actually, you know, share the story or trying to best articulate it. Was there, was there one or two that kind of jump out to you? Yeah, (laughs) there was, there was one that was by far the hardest. And then another, there was another one that was hard, but the one that was the hardest was talking about when I tried to kill myself when I was 19, because I had never talked about that to anybody. And my kids know, I think they know, I've never spoke a word about it to them ever, but I, I know they know, but, um, so I don't know. It was always just, that was the hardest chapter for me to write because I had never kind of faced it myself. Was and, it, was it therapeutic in a sense or? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was therapeutic because the day that I finished it, I mean, I worked on it a million different days, but the day I actually was done with the final draft of it, I just burst into tears. I was so happy. I was just like, this is the hardest thing I will ever write. You know, like I was mm-hmm. so happy it was done. And then it was hard when I wrote about my dad, my dad dying because he um he was only 49 and it was it was a complete shock and there was like there was like a hundred people at there it was just awful so that was hard to write about too but i could tell that that part has really touched a lot of people like when i was recording the audiobook the guy julian the engineer um he he had to stop recording a, a bunch of different times cuz he was crying oh. and um And he's so professional that it shocked me (laughs) because we had read all this stuff that was so heavy. But um, then when we got to that chapter, he had he had recently lost his dad and his dad died like it was a shock. So that's what it was hitting him, you know, like because he had been through it. Wow. Yeah, that that shows kind of the. I'm sure you, you've seen already some of the impact that it can have just from you trying to record the the audio version of it. Uh, you started, you kind of touched a bit about, you know, when you're a teenager, but um, I think it's fair to say uh, that, you know, your childhood was probably more difficult than, than most kids, uh, you know, have lived or would imagine, but there are kids that are grown up uh, in difficult times or, you know, challenging family members and things like that. Um, and I think it'd be, I think this book would be a great read for them, but what advice would you give to either your younger self or another younger person out there who is going through some of these similar challenges? I would just tell them, like, I feel like everybody has this dream 
maybe it's in their heart or at night when they're laying in bed before they fall asleep that, you know, of who they want to be and who they always thought they'd be. And I don't think there's even an age limit on it. You know, some people end up finally doing it at 40 or whatever, whatever this thing is. But I just like, that's my biggest passion is I would want to encourage anybody to, to believe, you know, even if they have no idea how to just go after what it is they feel like they're supposed to be doing, because it seems like people build up so much, like just, it's almost like they torture their self because they didn't do it and they build up so much regret. It's worse than, than failure. Right. Yeah. It's sometimes it's, it looks difficult and too big to, to even think about or even dream about uh, becoming reality. But um, as, as your story shared, it is, it is definitely, definitely doable. So I guess when, when things started first happening for you in Nashville as a songwriter, when did you feel like you quote unquote made it or that your dreams either had reached them or that they were kind of finally attainable and coming true? I'm trying to think, okay, let's see. Probably when I was so excited when I got um, my first Tim McGraw cut, I had already had a song, like I had a song that went to number three on this guy, Mark Wills, and it was called Places I've Never Been. And um, so like, it was weird because Tim McGraw, like Faith Hill cut one of my songs, but I think Tim had been out longer than her. Like this was in the very beginning. And so when I heard him singing that song, it was funny because he always does these things, these little Tim McGraw things, like these little add-ins that are signature to him. And when I heard him singing this song, My Best Friend, that was when it really hit me because he was an artist. Everybody knew his name. You know what I mean? Like I could tell people, and they like that I got a Tim McGraw cut and they knew who he was. Yeah. Even outside, even, I mean, he was country at the time, but even he was gaining some of that, you know, outside of country fame and recognition too. So that's uh, I can imagine that was a, a really cool feather in your cap at the time. And it's kind of a, a reassurance that you were doing the right things. I think too, I was so like, I think one thing that really helped me with, with that is see, I had dreamed of getting on a Tim McGraw record. He was my favorite artist. So like, that's another reason it made such an impact on me because it showed me like that, that you could do like, I, he was like my target, you know? And so when I got a song on his record, it's funny though, because my husband, we all wanted a song on Tim's record, but my husband got one first and he, we were all new. So once we saw he could do it, then we're like, well, we can do it too. Yeah. <laughs> and so then we ended up getting um, me and this friend of mine, Bill, we used to write all the time. We got a song on the record and then Chris, my husband and me and Bill got a song on the record. So um, I, when I heard them though, I just couldn't even believe it. <laughs> Can't, I cannot even imagine. Uh, you know, so speaking of, Tim McGraw. Um, I know this this book's been out for just a little bit, but it's already getting rave reviews from you know the Nashville community and you know outside of it. You know Tim McGraw said some nice things about it. So what's it 
what has it been like to hear from, you know, the, the Nashville community that has, you know, respected you as a songwriter, but now as an author, and then even, you know, regular people, uh, that have found inspiration from it. So can you talk about kind of what that's the initial feedback's been like for you as an author? Yeah, it's it's been awesome because it's brought all these people into my life I didn't know. Um, like that's been my favorite thing. Like there's this lady that's on the news. Um, she's on Fox News and Blake Shelton's record producer gave her, um, a, she got an advanced copy of the book, like probably about eight or nine months, or maybe even a year before it came out, but she just loves the book. She's been so supportive, and about two weeks ago, like around Thanksgiving, she did, um, she just started talking about it on TV, like, and she talked about it for like, like a minute and a half straight, and had the book, and just was like, this is one of my favorites. This this book is as big as Educated and the Glass House. She just went on and on and on, and so I didn't know her at all, you know, and it brought her into my life. And then this guy at um, NSAI, Bart Herbison, he's like the president of NSAI. I don't know what that stands for. It's National Songwriter something. I need to learn what it stands for. But I, he always hosts the awards at the NSAI Songwriter Awards. And okay. he's, he's like kind of a gruffy guy that I was always kind of afraid of him. Cause he's like, I don't know. He's just seems like he might not, he might be, you know, just like a gruffy guy that he's got this voice like that. He kind of sounds like a DJ and he's got this, this like smoky voice. that's kind of got wisdom in it. And so I'd never talked to him before. And he called me and he was like, this book healed me in a way. And I was just like, what? I mean, it just floored me because he was like one of the last people on earth that I would have ever, I just had him in my mind. I thought he was so different than, than he was. He was just, he's so full of heart and such a wonderful guy. And so it's brought people like that. It, he, he was the one that convinced me to put it on Kickstarter because he said, I'm a big reader and this is one of the best books I've ever read. He said, I've only read two books two books twice, Moby Dick and this one. I was like, okay, that's it. Yeah. I was just like, he was such a blessing to me because sometimes all you need is somebody to believe in you, you know, and that'll make you believe in yourself. Sure. No, you mentioned, uh, that's where I first heard the first heard about your book was Dana giving that one minute review. And I'm like, okay, this, it's got her stamp of approval. I'm like, this must be a really good read then. She's amazing. I just love her. I, she just like has been so helpful and sweet. And there's this song um, that Tim, it's, it was probably about three months ago that he, in August that Tim McGraw recorded called Doggone. It's about losing oh, your dog. Yes. And she, she wrote a book about her dog. She loves dogs. So do I. And um, so that song, like um, she loved it too. She was always talking about it. She, you, her dog, she, she posts every day on social media pictures of her dog and I love it yeah Jasper oh yeah (laughs) ah well that's great uh just two two quick final wrap-up questions here I guess uh you know what did you learn about yourself uh, as a as a person writing this book and just telling all I I realized a bunch of things about my life that I had never realized it's crazy because 
the um, first line that I, it's my favorite line about all my greatest gifts have come wrapped in ribbons of pain. That line, it just kept showing me over and over in the book, like that it was true because like when I, um, like when I was eight and my dad shot himself, that was like the most traumatic night of my childhood. But then my dad lived and then he went on, like that's what changed our life. It might be what got me out of Gedston because out of Gedston, Alabama, because that made him realize, you know, I'm going to go after my dreams. Like he was just completely lost in his life. And um, so that time and then when same thing with me, like I almost like ended my life. It was it was like pretty close. And then that made me move to Nashville. And then I had never really realized like the my first husband, who was super abusive. I had never realized that with um, like he was the first person that ever wrote with me. Like when I moved to Nashville, you know, I'm in my, I'm like 21 and everybody basically pretty much just started laughing. <laughs> if I asked them to write, I mean, they, they pretty much, that's about the only response I ever got. And then we wrote together and um, he was like, I love your ideas. And then we wrote, we got married really fast. And then it was just, it was awful. And um, like he ended up, he bit me in the face and put a gun to my head. I mean, he was terrible, but I, I don't wish him any bad feelings. I think hurt people hurt people, you know, like it's, I think people grow up seeing stuff like that and it just gets instilled in them. And that's, they act the way they were treated kind of. Um, but I didn't realize that till like probably a year ago that even as painful and messed up as that was, that's what gave me my start as a songwriter. Like sure. um, the the people I wrote my first hit with were people he met, like two writers that he knew. And um, they loved the idea. He told them about it. So I would have never gotten in the room to write that song with them. You know what I mean? And like even yeah. my stepdad keeping me grounded for three years, it gave me a giant head start. Like all the most painful things led to something you know, that, that was like just a million times better. Sure. No, it's, it's a great perspective on it. Uh, I guess my last question to wrap things up here, you know, the, the book, you know, I think the overall theme is, you know, faith over fear and, you know, you know, keep your eye on your dreams and trying to achieve those. And, you know, you, you've talked earlier about, you got the, that first Tim McGraw cut and that's kind of when you felt like you made it. So I guess my question is for, you know, listeners that know that you're a hit songwriter, uh, you have a great family and all of that. What, even with all your success, do you still have more dreams that you want to chase and achieve in life? I've got some more books I want to write because I've written this oh. one for so long, like, but I will never torture myself like I did on this one. The other books are more, there's some I, I want to write this book of short stories at some point from, from a lot of the stories that didn't make this book. They're most Half of them are already written. I just like edited them out um, because people tell me that I, people I know will be like, I cannot believe you didn't put that in the book. So like <laughs> there's stories like that, but I also have this children's story I've been messing with like for a long time. 
and I want to try and I've never really done fiction because I love I love like true stories. Real but stuff, yeah. yeah, real stuff. I love real stuff. Like even with songs, I, I love to talk about real emotions like the like the song that Tim just cut that doggone song. I mean, about losing your dog. That's something that I feel like happens. You know, most people have a dog they've loved. Yeah. And, oh, sure. and it's it's a deep grief when you lose a dog. Like and, and it's one that I feel like people are embarrassed to even talk about, like because it's like I don't know what that's about, but people seem I've seen people that just were so devastated, you know, they just couldn't even get out of bed. And, oh, and but they they don't talk about, you know, they don't talk about it that much. And and it's something I knew everybody was going through through or had been through. And I I had lost two different dogs. So I, I just it took me four years to get anybody to ride it though. Because <laughs> it was a weird song idea kind of like about a dog dying. Um, sure. but finally, finally the the guy I got the idea from, Jaron Johnston, um Finally, I got here. He's like, Amy's been trying to get me to write this song for four years. <laughs> finally out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we finally did it. But I love things that are real stories. Like after my dad died, I wrote a lot of songs about losing, like death and stuff. And I would get so many letters. And um, those I love songs that that touch people and that they, you know, they want to write me a letter because they've been through it and you know it's just a connection yeah yeah you're you're singing or writing about real life experiences that majority of people can relate to at some point in their life and it uh kind of gets them over and through those difficult times i'd imagine so it's 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 a good connection like you said yeah, I've never been good at those kind of like about trucks and dirt roads and, and all the <laughs> cliche country stuff. I, yeah. That's never been my bag. Like they'll tell you when you move to Nashville, don't write ballads. Everybody needs tempo and don't write ballads. But ballads were always what I loved and love songs, too. Like all our all my biggest songs have been love songs like Amazed right. by Lone Star and My Best Friend. I, just and Let's Make Love. They've all been love songs because I love love songs. <laughs> I mean, I grew up on Lionel Richie. I love love songs. Sure. Well, Amy, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Um, I appreciate this conversation. I really enjoyed reading the book. Like I said, I cranked it out in one night. It's one of my favorite reads I've read lately. Uh, I really, really encourage everyone that's listening to, to go check it out and uh, wish you success with this book and hopefully get to have that uh, book release party in, in a few You'll more. You'll have to uh, come. You'll have to come. Absolutely. I plan on it being a giant party.